Good morning. Welcome. Come on in. Find a seat. Glad you have decided to join us today, and I hope that you have come ready to worship the Lord, open your heart and your mind to Him, and whatever it is He wants to accomplish in you and through you today. Um, we anticipate a great time in ministry together today. I do also hope that you received one of these on your way in, and I would invite you to take some time to look through that, check out the things that are happening, um, especially areas that might fit you in what's happening in your life. A couple of things I want to highlight. This afternoon, there's a particular football game going on. You may have heard about it. It's called the Super Bowl, right? Um, if you haven't decided where you're going to watch the game, or uh, maybe you're not feeling antisocial and like to get out and hang out with other people while watching the game, we are going to have it right up here on this screen. Um, and we have, we have a lot of fun together. Uh, we'll set up this room in such a way where um, we kind of have some barriers coming down on this side and some on this side, and we'll have activities on the wings of this room for the kids. Some basketball going on over here, and some floor hockey or soccer or football going on over here. So activities going on, football game being watched on the screen, and even some that want to come and hang out and do board games together. Um, we're going to open the doors at 3 o'clock today and anticipate just hanging out as long as we want to. Um, so I, you all are invited, and it is potluck style, so let's kind of bring your own stuff, throw it on the table and share what everybody's got Let's just all agree to wash our hands and bring, you know, germ-free foods here this afternoon. Uh, I think we're all done with sharing our germs with one another, right? We're good with that? Okay. Um, I'm, my wife is not coming here today because she doesn't want to share her germs with you. So you can thank her later for that choice. Um, yes, she's, she's at home sick today. But she's watching us on the live stream. So I'm just going to wave to her and tell her I love her. Um, there you go. Uh, so that's this afternoon, Super Bowl party. Uh, we do have a Valentine's dinner that's coming up. If you've got a special someone in your life that you like to do a Valentine's dinner with, uh, you'll see in here that we're offering that Friday, February the 16th in this room. $30 a couple. There is childcare um, offered as well. And uh, the teens are putting that on for us. They'll be serving us, and they're putting together some entertainment. Should be a great evening. If you don't have anything going on that night, plan on joining us for that. But we do need you to sign up for that. We need to know how much food, how many place settings to have ready. That sign-up sheet is out at the welcome desk, right out these doors back here. Get yourself signed up for that, and uh, we will have a great time together in that. So... Plenty of stuff going on around here. Uh, it's exciting what's happening, and we're just having fun being a community together. I want to say a prayer over us as we begin to prepare our hearts for worship. Jesus, we choose to honor you today. You are the reason that we have gathered here. We open up our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that you have for us today. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So as we 
greet one another today and welcome each other into your presence. We center ourselves and we invite each other into your presence today. It's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us? Shake a few hands around you and let's join together in worship. Check, check, five. you're here. I want to encourage you to fix your attention and your focus on him. Doug, if we could, okay, you did move the light, sorry. There's an oldie and a newie. Come thou fount of every blessing. 
our pace is pulling us out of dependence. We admit that we are prone to wander. We are prone to separate. We are prone to say that we are God and we're going to make it happen just how we want. prone to clench and to cling and to force to push you're reminding us to open up to let go to release Father will you make it clear to us what we where and when we are leaving you behind when we are starting to do it on our own. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel. Prone to leave the God I love. Will you talk to him? I think we all get in the, I think it, it's come from our very beginnings and probably how we equate our Heavenly Father to our earthly parents. In my family, I was the oldest of three boys. I just have this very distinct message from my childhood. Bad, Todd. Bad. And I don't even know if my parents said that a bunch, but I do, I am quite sure that it was always my fault. You know, when we were sitting in the back seat of the car and we didn't have seat belts or car seats, we got in a lot of trouble and Todd beat up on his brothers a lot. And it was always my fault. And if my mom heard Terry crying in the back bedroom, she would yell, Todd, stop it. She had no idea what was happening. You been there? It's always my fault. 
And I think in our brokenness, I've carried that message for most of my life. That it's my fault. And I read this morning a quote from Richard Rohr that I thought was a good reminder for all of us today. God does not love us because we are good. God does not love us because we behave. God does not love us because we go to church. God does not love us because we memorize scripture. God does not love us because we give in the offering plate. I've, I've added some of my own. God loves us because he is good. It has nothing to do about you. It doesn't, doesn't matter if Todd was in the back bedroom beating his brothers or not. The message is, I still love you. If you're divorced, if you've beaten your children, if you're broke, if you can't keep a job, God loves us because God is good. Not because you are hanging it together. Nothing we can do. I don't believe it. Do you believe this? Nothing we can do will ever decrease or increase God's eternal and infinite eagerness to love us. Do you really believe that? That is not the American way. That is not what is in all of our egos. I have to earn God's love. I got to get my act together. No. You got to stop trying to get your act together and you just have to admit that you are loved. Can you do that? This goes beyond everything I think we've really feel deep down. God does not love us because we are good. God loves us because God is good. Nothing we can do will ever decrease or increase God's eternal and infinite eagerness to love us. Remember this morning, you guys, that we revolve around Him and His love. He does not change because we change. Amen? That is a good God. Mia, will you sing over us? Will you use this song to talk with Him? Just sit. I could just sit and wait for all your goodness. Hope to feel your presence. And I could just stay. Well, I could just stay right where I am. Hope to feel. Hope to please. Oh. 
Can you turn her up? Will you sit and listen to this? I could hold on. I could hold on to who I am and never let it change me from the inside. I could be safe. I could be safe. morning he's just calling you to believe that there's nothing you can do to affect his love for you will you speak to us father
wonder if we can just rest right now in this declaration that I will be yours. All of my life. Father, if I deny you, if I run from you, if I doubt you, if I don't give any money to you this whole year, you will still love and choose me. really hard to accept. Will you just pause? Let's just thank him for that truth. Couldn't run, couldn't run 
Of, of these songs. We honor you now with our own words. 
And church, I want to invite you, just without the confusion of words from a song, without those thoughts being forced, would, would you, out of your own place, out of your own set of circumstances, your own realities, would you just call on his name? now, Jesus, because we choose to honor you in the midst of, even in spite of, whatever whatever life is dealing us, whatever hardships may have been coming our way, fighting through sickness, whatever the week has held for us, we press into you today. We set our eyes on you. As scripture tells us to do, we set our our hearts on things above now. We set our minds on things above now. Fixing our eyes on you, Jesus. We are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves today at your feet. We open up our hearts to your word as we listen to your voice. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we all pray these things. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, I want to invite our ushers to join us up here as we prepare to bring our tithes and our offerings to him. Jesus, you are our provider. We honor you with the provision that has come. We even honor you in advance with the provision that is yet to come. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it. Bless it. Multiply it. Use it to further your kingdom across this globe, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I will be yours, Lord. I will be yours for all my life. Jesus,
I'm realizing in this moment that I'm not wearing my glasses today. <laughs> and if these words are too small, I'm going to steal somebody else's Bible, but I think I'm going to be all right. We're going to break ourselves down today into two groups of people. So I'm going to... If you have to force yourself into one or the other, do so, just for the sake of our conversation today. You are either a planner or a spontaneous-oriented person. Okay, so you know who you are, planners. And I'm realizing I'm asking you to raise your hand in a spontaneous moment, which is really against the grain of who you are. Planners? Okay. All right, you know who you are, spontaneous folks. Come on, you love raising your hand right now. You didn't have to think about it? Yes. I come from a long line of spontaneous people. That's how my mama raised me. And then I married Sarah, who came from a long line of planners. About six months into our marriage, uh, Sarah's mom and dad and, and invited us on, into a vacation with them, a, a two-week trip through the, through the west, Arizona, and I mean, actually, it was through Colorado, which is our central, but, you know, uh, and, and so I was excited about that, and uh, we were pulling a camper for two weeks, you know, doing some camping with them. We get into the van, camper's hitched up, and about the time her dad is pulling out of the driveway, she turns around and starts handing out these papers to everybody, and I look at it, and I'm like, what is this? And Sarah leans over, and she whispers, honey, it's called an itinerary. What is an itinerary? I mean, this wasn't just where are we going tomorrow. This was when are we getting there, and what, and what time we're going to do what when we get there. 1227, we're doing this. 134, we're doing, no, it really wasn't that extensive. But I mean, it was a legitimate itinerary, and I'm telling you, I'd never seen anything like it before. That was 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Last summer, I took our family on a two-week trip through Nashville and Florida, and we were pulling a camper, and I had an itinerary, <laughs> and it was pretty detailed. So props to the mom who created me and raised me, and props to the mom who's shaping me into the son-in-law she's always wanted me to be. I'm raising both hands today, for I'm in an official morphing role. I'm confused. I'm, I'm spontaneously trying to figure out what I'm going to plan on. So um, that's about where I'm at. I'm, I'm mentioning these two groups because essentially this is the encounter that we run into today with Jesus. He points out, I believe, these two characteristics, these two groups of people. 
And we find it in the book of Matthew at the end of chapter 7. Starting at verse, and I think that says 24. Chapter 7 of Matthew at verse 24. I want you to understand we're doing something a little backwards today because I'm reading the end of the passage that I'm talking out of. Because the, the end of this passage closes out chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's really three chapters worth of a sermon. We're engaging the Sermon on the Mount today. So imagine yourselves parking, parking yourself at the feet of Jesus, and he just begins to pour his heart out. And these are the final words that he has to say. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When everyone had, when Jesus had finished saying all of these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So it's, it's like this. He, it, it says that he, when the crowds were gathering around, he kind of went up on a mountainside and he, and he sat down to teach. It was, it was a position of authority to do this. And when he did that, they, they understood what he was about to do. And you can imagine that crowd being seated as well. And he just began to pour out his heart to them. I mean, we're talking about the creating God of all the universe in physical form, positioning himself to pour out the heart of God. And he starts by saying, I know you want to be blessed. I know you want to live a blessed life. I know that you, um, you, 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 you are, you've been seeing things with your own eyes, and you've been, you've been hearing things with your own ears from, from the church leaders of the day, from, from those that, that teach the law. You have been sitting under their teaching, and you've been sitting under their authority, and you've been taking in their opinions about the word that I had given you through Moses many, 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 many generations ago. But now you're going to hear it directly from me. I know you want to live a blessed life. So be merciful. Be meek. Be peacemakers. 
Expect persecution to come your way. Realize that if you're choosing to be followers of me, you're going to become salt. You're going to become light. You're going to be like a, a, a bright, bright city that's, that's up on a hillside. You're going to shine in ways that you can't comprehend. I know you know the law. And I know that you've heard the law taught. I know you know the commandments. I know you understand things like adultery and, and, and murder. But I, I, I want to I address something about your understanding. See, you've, you've, what you've been shown, what you've been told, it's, it's, it's all been surface level. It's all been a, it, it has come across as a show. Because you see, if you do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by men, your motivation is all about getting glory from those that are around you. And I want you to know if that's your motivation, then whatever praise or accolade that you receive from them, that's the extent that you're going to get because it's meaningless to him. But if you want his blessing in your life, if you really want to be blessed by him, then you've got to kind of, you've got to go to the heart of things. For instance, adultery. I know you know what adultery is, but I'm telling you that if you walk around lusting after people secretly in your heart, guilty. I know you know what murder is. But I'm telling you that if you walk around harboring hatred in your heart and unforgiveness in your heart, guilty. See, I know I know what you're used to seeing and hearing. I know that you're used to the Pharisees walking around while they're praying and they pray with large words and, they're, and they pray out loud so that everybody can hear them and, and, they're, and they're really long prayers and, and, and all this stuff and they're drawing attention to themselves. I know that you see that. Or, or there may be days when, when these guys are, are fasting and they're walking around and they're, woe is me, and they're, you know, they, they just look miserable because fasting is miserable. Anybody that's done it knows that. I know that these are things that you've seen. Or when it's time to give into the temple treasury, you see them walk up and they, they pull their big money bags out and just to make sure everybody sees how much they're giving. I know that this is what you're used to seeing. And I remind you that if, if that's your motivation, to be seen by men, then whatever praise or accolade you receive from them, that's the extent of your reward. If you want to be blessed by God, do these things privately. Go to God in prayer. 
fast when you need to. It's a great tool for engaging the presence of the Almighty. But don't let anybody else know about it. Do so in a way that everybody around you just thinks it's a normal day for you. They don't know about the physical anguish that you're in because your stomach is reminding you it's 2 o'clock and you haven't eaten today or it's 3 o'clock and you haven't eaten today because if you haven't fasted before, believe me, that's what happens. But don't walk around where, oh, I'm fasting today. It's just awful, but I'm doing it for Jesus. You want to be blessed. Do these things so that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. See, I know you know the law. And I know that you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that, 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 there's a, that the norm is grudges, it's getting even, it's revenge. But if you want to be blessed, forgive. See, I know it's easy. I know it's easy to look around and see the speck in other people's eyes. I know it's easy to point. But realize that when you're pointing, there's three fingers pointing right back at you. Instead of paying attention to the speck in other people's eyes, realize there's a tree hanging out of your own. Because they're on a journey just like you are. journey is about trust. It's about, a, it's about a relationship of trust with our Heavenly Father. And He is trustworthy. So don't worry. Don't be overcome with worry and anxiety uh, about what tomorrow may hold. Because it's wasted energy. And you can't accomplish anything with that kind of activity. Trust him. I mean, after all, if he's taking care of the flowers in the field and the birds in the air, how much more so will he take care of your needs? Seek his kingdom. Go to him. Ask. Seek. Knock. Don't be afraid to bring your needs before him. And believe, cling to faith, that he will respond to your requests. For anyone who asks receives, and he who seeks will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. 
See, whoever hears these words. Well, that's an interesting statement because, after all, everybody there heard the words. So it's a redundant statement. But he splits people up into two different groups. Both have heard, but the difference is one does something about it and one does not. And then he paints this picture of building homes. It's interesting, I, up until today, I had, I had an understanding about these, these two groups. I, I, had, I had this idea that we were talking about two different foundations, one that's a solid foundation and one that's a shifting foundation. I, I, I'm, a, I'm adjusting my understanding of this as of today. Because I don't think it's two foundations. I think there's only one. One has a foundation and one flat out does not. You see, when, when we put ourselves into the, into the picture here, when we put ourselves into this place where Jesus is bringing this teaching, the reality is, the ground is sandy around them. I think he's making a point. This is the same starting place here. It's the same starting place. You've all heard. Everybody has heard. Whoever's hearing this has heard. So it's the same starting place. There is one that adds a foundation and there is one that does not. There is one that takes the time to dig out a foundation. And those of you who are in the construction business understand what I'm talking about. The rest of us will just act like it. But there's, there's, there's time and energy that is spent. There is purpose. There is planning that is put into place to create the, the firm foundation, the, the rocky foundation. And the other guy is like, eh, don't need it. And they both build their houses. And then they both experience adversity. The wind begins to blow against both. The water tables rise up and begin to flood into both. But there is only one that stands, and it's the one that is on the solid foundation. The other just comes crumbling down because there was no foundation. The planner, the one that implements the plan, stands strong. The other guy the one that can only see right in front of his face, that doesn't look down the road, that is only operating in the moment, fulfilling the needs of the moment. That home fails. 
anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice. Listen, folks. Being a follower of Jesus is work. It's energy spent. It's time spent. And and there is doing. Doing is definitely involved. You're building something here. And it's something that is meant to last. It's, it's, It's eternal. And Jesus fully intends for it to be eternal. And his words are pretty profound here. This picture, as simple as it is, comes across in a very profound way. If you want this thing to be eternal, it's got to be more than just hearing. You've got to implement. I mean, it's lifestyle. This is challenging. I realize that that I've gone from uh, from preaching to meddling, as some have told me. My intention is not to meddle, but my intention is for us to really pay attention to what Christ followership really is. See, he's already exposed the Pharisees. That approach, he's already called it out and exposed it for what it was, and and he's basically said that that's worthless religion. That approach is meaningless. There's no fruit to it, and there's no blessing, there's no reward, there's no spiritual reward with that. Now, he doesn't abolish the law. He actually says that in this sermon. I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. And that's exactly what he does. He just goes to the heart of all the word. He cuts to the core of all the complicated things that they had in place. And he's like, and it is about your heart. It is about what's going on inside of you because, guess what? You are going to become the temple. And Paul reiterates this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul even goes and starts talking about if a builder builds and, 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 and what it looks like when the fire comes and tests it. And the quality of each man's work will, will, will be exposed when the fire comes. That is our reality. We know adversarial things are going to come against us. We are swimming upstream. Everything about being a Christ follower is in the opposite direction of what the world, where the world is going. When you swim upstream, you're automatically going against the wind and the waves. There will be 
adversarial things coming against you, coming against us. The wind is going to blow. The waves are going to crash against. The water tables are going to rise. The truth about what you are building will be exposed. And it's more than just listening. It's implementing, he says. This encounter with Jesus is game-changing for those that were following him because he pretty much drew the line in the sand and said, it's going to be different in your lives if you continue to follow me. It will look different. It's going to be so different that you're going to shine brightly. People may or may not receive it. People may or may not react to it. Regardless, that, that's their choice. It's just the truth about who you will be when you follow me. And they just started doing it. Forgiving their enemies. When their enemies would come to them and demand this, they would give this as well. They would go the extra mile. Why? Because they, they just believed and, and they implemented. They Okay, if Jesus said it, I'm going to do it. With your eyes closed. As this sermon on the mount, it's very Cliff's Notes version of it, washes over us today. We're, we're put right into the same position as the original hearers of this sermon were. It's real simple. Will we or will we not do? Because we basically fall into one of two camps. One or two groups. And as your eyes are still closed and just kind of in a, a meditative, kind of in a, a, a reflective place, I, I want to invite our, our prayer team to come and up here and just, they're just in place in case anybody wants or needs special prayer today. These folks are making themselves available for encouragement to you just to minister to you they just want to take you to the feet of Jesus if there's anyone here that needs 
that kind of strength, that kind of encouragement, that kind of support today. You're invited to approach any one of them as you, as you feel led to. The rest of us, I, it's really just time for reflection. Take an inventory of, of what life looks like. These early disciples, when they took inventory, understand that, that it, it was life or death. When Jesus said persecution is going to come your way, it wasn't just a little bit of teasing on the playground. This was life or death. I mean, they really had to count the cost of being a Christ follower. Because it probably meant imprisonment. It probably meant some level of torture. Or even ultimately martyrdom. We don't face that in America today, and we probably won't face that in America for some time. But should we not be counting the cost? If you were accused of being a Christ follower, and you stood before judge and jury would there be enough evidence to convict you would there be enough evidence to convict you see that that is what comes before us today are we truly a city on a hill are we truly light and salt? These things are the result of being hearers of his word and doers. Jesus, I'm challenged today. I'm challenged today because I know that there are areas of my life still where my followership is just in, in question. And I want to do I don't want to be that person that flies by the seat of his pants in these areas anymore. I, I need to implement. I need to plan. I need to dig. I need to create a better foundation in these areas. I need to do. I want my house 
to be strong. Because I know life is coming against me. And I know that the enemy who is relentless with his deceit and relentless with his tricks, with his schemes, as James puts it. He's coming against me. And then there's just life stuff. As this world keeps spinning, things just happen. Circumstances just happen. Financial systems collapse. Jobs can be lost. Sickness can come. Turmoil can exist in any number of ways on any given day. I want my house to be strong. I want to be your follower in every aspect of my life. I know that as these words are coming out of my mouth, I know that they're the prayer of most, if not everyone in this room. So I'm asking Holy Spirit to give us the strength to do the work that needs to be done. Let your grace and your mercy till the soil as we do the work necessary with your hands building this foundation followership we want to be blessed by you I want to walk in your blessings. I want your blessings to pour out of me with unending, unending, unending. So I just choose to do it your way. Regardless of what anybody else chooses to do, I'm choosing to do it your way. Just remain a few moments in prayer and maybe sing together. could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence, and I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel, I could hope to feel something. 
sit still, I will follow where you lead, and I will be yours, oh, I will be yours for all my life, I will be yours, oh, I will be Jesus, that is our heart's cry today. Thank you for the work that you are accomplishing in our lives, for what you had already accomplished what you're accomplishing now, the work that is yet to be done. 
we are in your hands. We are your followers. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. You stand with me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace. And may he empower you this week to continue to build that firm foundation of followership in your life. Have an amazing week, and I will see you next Sunday.